okay, I think we're on. And I was withholding, but I'm drinking your tea. I'm showing it on the video. It's a beautiful color. So which tea is it? This is your this this box has been in my suitcase for a minute. So it's your duck shit oolong. And uh nice. I, I have a few more of your teas that are probably more presentable, like haven't been no, it's fine. It's got the it's got the well traveled look. Like messed around with it. I just I just love this one. Um, and I made a big cup. Like I know you're wearing like your Gaiwan shirt, so yeah, I did not I make this. Here. Like I made it in just like oh yeah yeah like you have your full <laughs> Gong Fu. Like I literally just did this garbage thing. I have my Gong Fu here, but I didn't want to. Um, I mean, literally, like, I'm sitting here and, like, my kitchen's over there with my water. And I didn't sure. want to, like, move back and forth during the, <laughs> the yeah, talk. Yeah, no, so no. I guess I you. made I myself a larger cup. I guess you. Well, I'm, <laughs> but, um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm sitting I love I'm your packaging, be... though. I'm, oh. I just dropped it everywhere. So this is Nug Bake. Have you heard of this one? Uh, tell me about it. Whether this I've heard is, of it or not, let's tell our this listeners. Is a, this is a, a, a ripe poor. Yeah. Um, but it's been, uh, we baked it, we baked it in London. So this is Lao Chato. Lao Chato is the, is called old tea heads. That's the literal translation, <laughs> old tea heads. But basically I didn't when know you that actually. When you ferment the tea, the, the, there are some uh, leaves that due to the oil and the heat and the compression, like bunch up into these nugs basically. And, mm. uh, and they're sort of picked off the pile um, before it's all being processed. And then we took these oh. and we baked them. So we baked them in London. So it's a London bake, uh, right? Poor, really, really lovely. So I have, I don't, I don't have that one. I have the, I think you called it like bitter brew. Maybe is it the, the one that Bul you did like three months ago? Bulang brittle. If you say it, I'll know. I, yeah. Bulang brittle. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I have that here too. Uh, yeah. I've been drinking that. So, so that was like you've done two big experimental roasts recently, right? I think. Yeah. Like, so, so Bulang Brittle was our um, first I, ever. I've had those nugs before. I didn't know that's how it came. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell me about the Bulang Brittle. Yeah. Yeah. Bulang Brittle is is the the first time that we've ever roasted a ripe poor, and I think actually I don't know, but I've tried to research it, but I think it's the first time that a ripe poor has ever been roasted commercially because. Uh, it was Certainly the first time I've had that before. Yeah, I thought there it was are, super cool that you guys did that. Yeah, there are, there are these uh, ripe pours that you can put in bamboo sticks that you put over the fire to absorb the, the aroma of the bamboo. But wow. uh, that's, that's as far as it goes for, for actually baking and roasting uh, ripe pour. I've never seen it being done before, which is crazy because I think it actually really suits it very well. So this is our second batch of roasted ripe. I got to get some. I have it saved. Um, so I have like a package waiting at customs right now from oh, really? Japan. And I've ha I have that email that you sent waiting because I don't want to submit my order until I get this package to make sure that I can get something. So uh, as soon as hopefully, so today's Wednesday, hopefully like next week I get that package and then I'll order some of this stuff from you to, I just, I just don't want it sitting in customs yeah. somewhere. That would be a shame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have your brittle and, uh, I love it. And I love, um, I mean, it gets into a theme 
I tend to, yeah, I mean, like, there's, you know, we're already, like, in topics, but, like, we should, I'll roll back and do, like, a better introduction at some point, but it doesn't really matter. It's really just about the ideas, you know? Sure. So, I think that what you're doing with T is so, I guess, two reasons why I am excited to have you talking on this is, is one, you are just the most fucking charismatic person in the T world. Like, your YouTube videos are just, like... I don't even care what you're talking about. I just, <laughs> you're just great at talking. You, I don't know if you, if you sketch them out in advance or if you just go, or if it's just, you know, exactly this, you know, what you want to say about the tea and the processing and all of that. And it just, it takes up whatever that is, but you know, your videos are always, they're, they're great. Uh, they're informative and engaging throughout it's the long like you you make like hour long videos about tea processing and somehow like every minute is vital and compelling partly just because literally like turn the sound off or, or 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 make it in another language and like it's your voice is great the cadence your passion uh you're a wonderful wonderful ambassador for like the world of tea and i think that we i think that a, a big problem the the tea world has well the, the, you know the ignorance and the lack of understanding of what tea really is, is is the biggest thing but then once you get that first like prosumer level of understanding then you get to this like oh no i can't really know about tea the way that the the good people know about tea it becomes this like this uh this this pretentious thing where people you know are not really welcoming I, I've, I've experienced a lot of people who are just you know they make it super expensive they, they they make it like impossible and they make it not enjoyable and people like you are so important to the message getting out and to regular people because tea is not something i don't want it to just be like the thing that two of my friends and i get to do once in a while like i want everyone to drink tea this way and so i love the way you convey the messages and then also as we were already diving into and, and we can go further on this just like your artistic flair for it because one of my big principles on tea that i talk about all the time again like on the basic qualities of it that like there's very little science to learn just, just like a few things that like you don't like don't burn gilcoro you know like, like things like that but past that it's really art it's choice it's like i'm drinking your oolong right now and like i did it at i think 190 could have done it at 200 could have done it at 175 like could have left it in there for 10 minutes could have done a quick steep like there's a million ways to do it and if someone tells you you need a measuring thing and you need this and that and like uh it's intimidating but if someone tells you that hey you can have this shung pu'er roasted over this thing that you could do at home and all these different experimental things with it like that's exciting and it's like it makes just it makes people understand the expanse of the world the the scale of it that like you're never going to know all of it you're never going to get bored and that's really awesome especially because of people like you who are experimenting so um maybe let's we were already in it like let's talk about these two roasts that you did and like to a to a regular person like don't tell you know i know a lot about it but like what is you know fermenting and then roasting tea what does that process mean 
Uh, well, first of all, thank you. It's 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 always Sorry, lovely no, to hear. Like no, no, it's 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 great to hear that the videos go down well. And I think just before we get into the the fermenting, it's I think you're absolutely right. There's a there's way too much elitism in so many different subjects, um, and especially in tea because there's this sort of um, idea around tea, which is that you know you've got to. Uh, have all the right gear or you've got to like know exactly how to brew or you've got to dress up in a certain way or even that you've got to sort of um, adopt a sort of uh, uh, the, all of the other sort of tea culture around it right the sort of wearing the wearing the costumes and and believing in Taoism and all of that stuff is fine and good but the whole point is that to truly learn something and to truly uh, become passionate about something you have to play do you know what I mean? Like, if you're absolutely, not playing, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, you're not learning, right? I mean, if you all you're doing is following rules, then it's a, it's, you're that is very much a, a sort of dead end approach to anything. Like, you know, whatever you do, you've got to pick up what you can, but then play with Make it. And your in China, cup they of tea, exactly. And in China, they say that the three things you need in for tea is leaf, water, and you. Without mm. you, part of it, that's not tea. Because tea is an expression of the land, an expression of the farmer, an expression of all those things. But it doesn't stop. That expression doesn't stop when it's arrived in your mailbox. That expression just continues. And that game and that play and that enjoyment continues. So um, we try to take the approach that <clears throat> tea is for everybody. And it really goes back to the old way of looking at tea, which is tea is a tribal drink, right? It's a tribal drink grown in the mountains, take away the imperial, take away the sort of, you know, pinkies in the air, take away all of that and just focus on people sitting the around. The human element, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's One guy in sitting. this mountain made it one way and then another guy's in another mountain with his group of people and you get the nuance of not just the area, not the, the terrar, the cultivar, but the people. And if, you, and if you start to define rules too quickly, then what you're doing is, is negating the whole power of tea, which is diversity. The whole power of tea is the ability for one leaf to express itself in a trillion different ways, right? So yeah. um, that's, that's, you know, uh, that's why we focus on trying to make it as open to people as possible. And in regarding this tea, um, so fermentation is a process just like uh, you know, fermenting kombucha, fermenting you know, alcohol. You're essentially storing uh, something in a more damp environment and in a warmer environment to speed up the activity of microbes. Um, and those microbes, usually in a relatively low oxygen environment, but it's in the case of tea, it's, they, they create that low oxygen by piling. So you're just creating piles. So inside the pile, you've got sort of lower oxygen. Those microbes get to work. Um, and so you're combining some oxidation, which is happening just naturally from the air, mixed with the fermentation of these microbes. And uh, that changes the tea. It changes the tea dramatically. It makes it darker. It makes it richer. It can do all sorts of things. It can make it undrinkable to sublime. Um, and again, that depends on the skill of the producers. Um, Have you had undrinkable yeah. puer? Sorry, say that again? Is, is, is my mic working? Yeah, it's just a, a oh, little no. bit stuttering. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry. Oh, We're good. okay. Uh, have you had, have you had an experience of undrinkable oh, yeah. fermented? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, fermentity tends to be one of the ones that you you uh, you have your first experiences of a really undrinkable tea because the wet piling process or the fermentation process can give off some funky aromas. And oftentimes you're not really supposed to drink fermented tea for about two years after it's finished because you want it to sort of air out. But if it's if the wrong uh, processing has been done um, and you're getting the wrong strains of microbes, you can get all sorts of funky uh, uh, aromatics. Um, and yeah, you can really, it can really be a, an unpleasant experience. And unfortunately, a lot of people's first experience of pua is cheap, ripe pua tea, um, which right. is badly uh, fermented. And so that puts them off for life. So, you know, if that is you, then I hope you, uh, anybody listening, that you're, you're, you're going to persist um, and, and drink some, some of the good stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I've it's a- had those cheap over the counter ones where you get it. Like sometimes when I'm traveling and like, I just don't have anything and I find, you know, just whatever tea shop is like, I was in Rome and you know, I went in, there were two tea shops, but they were not really that good. And like, you know, I got some stuff that was just, it was a lot of flavor, but not necessarily like, you know, in the right directions and yeah, <laughs> not exactly that. flavor that you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I've never had though. It would be cool. I've never, you know, like I want to talk about your Tongmu trip at some point, but um, I've never like gone to the source and had like a bad batch. That would be something I'd love to learn, like just for my palate, you know, just to understand the spectrum of like to appreciate to, to really like when I taste this, you know, Lu Bao or something uh, and know what it, could have been that that would be really exciting for me that's something that that as as i'm listening to you talk i'm thinking about i kind of want to expose myself to the trash to the fucked up batch to know what the good batch tastes like i've had cheap stuff i've had diluted stuff i've had you know dusty stuff but um that is like i don't know that's that's doesn't make me that upset but uh, but i kind of want to see something beautiful ruined to know better what it's like when it's not ruined you know yeah yeah well i mean you know first and foremost it, it starts with the leaf so if you've got decent quality leaf it's it's you can mess it up of course you can but it's it's less likely that you're going to um but there's so many different grades um and obviously it boils down to taste as well you know what you're into what you're interested in different characters you know we focus on various different for every tea we have certain things that we're looking out for but that's not necessarily you know a, again a universal some people may have different quality markers that they're looking for uh, yeah. in their tea and i think that's really cool because you know different tea sellers sort of if they're curating or if they're tasting tea and they're, they're purchasing according to their taste rather than you know what is defined by the market as good or bad uh, then you're starting to create a little bit more of a coherent idea of you know what tea should be for that person and it might be different for different people yeah some people don't like the fermented stuff even if they're like big tea people you know yeah so and some people look for different kinds of things so for example is just a, i was just uh tasting taiwanese teas um just before we started speaking so we got a whole batch mm -hmm. of spring 2020 taiwanese teas Awesome. And you can tell how the Taiwanese market is moving by the way that the samples I'm getting. Like you can see, oh, yeah. you know, with the trend in terms of what the quality marker is in Taiwan for their teas. And it may not be what I 
particularly am looking for in a team. So, you know, you start to sort of understand what is like that? everything. What are you, what is the trend? What, what were you noticing? So the general trend, which I'm trying to um, sort of resist um, or trying to, uh, um, yeah, I mean, in the teas that I'm selecting, I'm, I'm really trying to, to, in my own small way, stop this trend, which is sort of moving towards aromatic upfront and very little depth. Um, and, uh, you know, so because that's an easy sell, right? If you, if you can make tea, which has got high, bright, very powerful aromatics, um, then, you know, people first sip or first smell, they go, I love it, I'll buy it. Um, but the fact is that, well, in my opinion, that's not where the true judge of quality tea is. The true judge of quality tea is in the body, the finish, the aftertaste, you know, what the tea leaves you with rather than what it gives you. And I think that that brings much more of a longevity to the enjoyment of tea. Um, so what we notice, not just in Taiwan, but in China as well, is that there's a lot of emphasis on how can we make teas very aromatic, um, but at the expense of um, bringing more sort of concentration to the leaf. Um, and uh, that usually comes from processing, but also age of tea trees. And Taiwan has got a problem because Taiwan is very, very small landmass comparative to China. Uh, so they, they've got to maximize yield. And the government in Taiwan uh, quite recently um, took over a lot of uh, tea, tea mountains because they were worried about the, uh, the homogenous nature of the agriculture and protecting the ecosystem, et cetera. So they basically took away a lot of tea mountains. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so you've got an even reduced amount of land. And so the farmers there are basically cutting down anything that's above oh, 30 man. year old, which is really, really sad. So, and oh, wow. Yeah. Are, so are any of those to, getting saved to be cloned? No. That's horrible. That's, that's, it's, it's really bad. And, you know, when I'm in Taiwan, I'm telling the farmers, like, you know, this, you know, in, in many countries, especially China, 30-year-old is when, that's when the tea's starting to get going. You know, oh, yeah. that's, when, that's when it's really starting to really come into, like, its, its potential. So cutting it down uh, oh. obviously means that you're having more yield, um, and so they then have to move to how can we make the tea more aromatic to sort of just, you know, entice I mean, And that's, that's garbage, you know, that's like, there's there, you know, Chinese greens over the last couple of years. I agree with everything that you're saying. I, I didn't, I didn't even, I'm so happy I asked because um, I didn't know. Um, I guess I, I should, because I, I taste your tea all the time, but I, I agree with what you're saying so much. Like that's why the, this duck shit oolong over like, you know, when you get like a milk oolong, like it's just it, often it's too much. It's just, it's like too obvious and it leaves you empty. Um, and a lot of Chinese greens that I've tasted over the last, so I went to Japan. I spent two months there last year around this time. I was supposed to be there again for Shinsha. Um, and I just like, I kind of flipped about, you know, a little over a year ago from Chinese greens to Japanese greens because of exactly what you're saying, because everything I'm getting from China is super aromatic and floral and just like all this stuff in the front that uh, frankly, like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't really like it. Um, and I like the body and the, and when I drink these, you know, Shincha especially, it goes all the way. I, I always, I always like when uh, I, I think uh, this was Emen 
in Los Angeles who has the Taiwanese oolongs. She's the best, my favorite Taiwanese oolongs in Los Angeles. And she taught me when she was doing a tasting for me, she was like, tell me where it goes in your chest, you know, into your body. Yeah. Where does it, where does it leave you? Where do you feel warm? And that's the test of like, like, she's like, I want to give, she's like, I want to find the tea that goes all the way into your, into yeah. your, through your chest, into your stomach yeah. and feel it. Yeah. Warms you up. It makes you alive. And that, you know, so like a duck shit oolong, lu bao, those teas can really do that for me. But when I'm having, yeah, I, I there's a lot of places I, I, I've, I've, I guess I've like tightened up where I order from because often I'll get these aromatic teas and I fucking hate the aromatic teas. Like when I go to Japan and if I, if, if I go somewhere and they have a Jasmine, like I'm just, I'll, I'll pretty much assume like I should leave. Like this is yeah. not legit. Yeah. Anything floral. Yeah. I was, well, I mean, yeah. there's, there's, so there's aromatics that have been centered. Like, you know, you're talking about a lot of milk oolongs and jasmines, etc. Um, and then there's just how you manipulate the leaf in order to uh, increase the terpene content. Um, and a lot of that is, comes through processing. So the processing, um, especially, you know, the withering phase, because basically what's happening with the withering phase is the cell walls are breaking down and enzymes are mixing with uh, glycosides and that's breaking off terpenes, right? And so those terpenes basically start to escape and you get this incredible aroma whenever you go to a, a tea processing plant or factory or household or whatever, however, whatever scale you go to, incredible aromatics are being developed. And so if you then fix the leaf at that point, you can get those aromatics to sit quite happily on the, on the, on the um, outside of the leaf. And when you hit water on it, you get this amazing bouquet of aromas coming out. The problem is that that has come from a transference of you breaking down compounds in the leaf, right? Mm -hmm. And so you, you, there's a play that has to happen here where you want aromatics, but you want depth in the leaf because otherwise the first two infusions of that tea is going to be That's fine. It. It's going to be great. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be aromatic. But after that, it start, it's going to start to become empty and you're not going to feel the effect of the tea. As you say, it's like the cha chi, the feeling somewhere mm -hmm. in your body, how it makes you feel, you know, because at the end of the day, as we said, tea at its origin is a tribal medicinal drink, right? It's a, it's, it's a psychoactive medicinal plant that was grown with cannabis and, and opium by these high mountain tribal people to give effect, right? Um, and so by sort of turning that into, I spoke to a Taiwanese producer and he said to me that he's given up on a lot of Taiwanese teas and he's now moving into Dansong, which is what you're drinking. And I was like, mm. why? Well, you know, this is your heritage. He's like, Taiwanese trend is moving into making the Coca-Cola of teas, which is just full flavor up front, but not, and obviously that's a big generalization. There's incredible teas coming out of Taiwan. There's incredible teas coming out of Japan. I'm not trying to slight them at all, but the point here is that you have a choice as a farmer of what, or as a producer, of what, how you're going to manipulate the leaf, how you're going to stress it to, to develop those terpenes. And this is where the age of the tea tree comes in. Because if you've got an older tea tree, you've got much more breadth because you can, you, it's got so much going on in it that you can create all of those aromatics. Fine. You can put them on the edge of the leaf. You can, you yeah. can create that wow factor, but there's so much more depth in there already that is going to, just keep giving and keep giving and keep giving, which is why it's sad when you see, you know, older tea trees being, being chopped down for at the expense of, uh, expense of that for yield. 
I find a lot of distributors, you know, brands on online. I was talking to a friend the other day and he was, he was getting, um, he was getting like, he just the Sheen Shah overview from me. He was just asking me like, how do I, you know, pick stuff. And, and I was giving him a recommendation and I saw one that was like, that just made it very explicit that there's only two steeps and that's it. And I was like, fuck that. Like, nah, cause yeah. I'll, if you just, you know, it's out there like um, that you drink this stuff within the first month and you do two steeps and that's it. And you have this month, you know, you have a certain amount of tea, a certain amount of water and, and that's it. And this is the way to drink Shincha. I don't do that. I have stages in my year. I, I get as much Shincha as I possibly can pretty much from all for, for, from Tanegashima all the way up to Hokkaido. <laughs> I got, I went to Hokkaido last year. Um, and I found a guy doing his own in-house, like, like in, like hand roasting, uh, Shincha in Hokkaido. So I brought back the Shincha and I brought back the, the roasted from Hokkaido. It was, it was cool. For all the way for so two, two, over two months from Tanegashima to there. Um, and, I love to explore it throughout the year. And so first of all, like if I'm going to be drinking this super high quality stuff, like of course I'm going to have a third, a fourth. And I mean, sometimes a fifth, if it's really, really good, but I'll always do three at least. Um, and I just hate when they tell you, you can't do that. And, um, and I go from, you know, the one seventy sixes, then I go a little hotter a month or two in, then I do cold brews. And then after like six months, whatever, like I start hand, I have the ceramic hand roaster and I do it and I wake it up and I do total, you know, I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll just do a little bit. Sometimes I'll just like wait for that first little, like as soon as I see a little bit. Um, and then I'll go all the way to just like straight up, you know, burning it and, and just see what that's like. And I'll use it all year and I'll just, I'll explore it. And it's, uh, it's awesome. It's all about the quality of the leaf though. If it's there, you can extract so much from it. There's a whole world inside that leaf. And, you know, I, I liken it to people, you know, it's like the, the depth is, is, um, is, 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 an analog uh talk more about so i i like to use tea as as an analog for humanity and go like into the history with the tribes and stuff like that like tell like this is you know so my you know audience if you will some people drink tea all the time but like there's a lot of people who like i had an article come out on this you know music business website today like a lot of people are coming to this and don't know anything about tea and are like working at Apple or something like that. And they're listening because they know the, my music stuff. Like, but yeah, I love the analog of tea to, to human beings. And, yeah. and, you know, talk to me about that tribe stuff where it comes from the mountains. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, tea, tea has thousands of years of history. It's a bit, you know, uh, un- unclear as to exactly how many, but probably about 4,000 years of history there or thereabouts. So it's a very, very old, old drink, right? Um, and there is, there's always disputes, especially in, in the provinces of China, of which province had tea first. But one thing you can certainly say is that Yunnan province, which is southwest uh, China, 
very far away from Beijing, very far away from the influence of the Han Chinese, uh, is, a, is the sort of motherland of at least the first sort of trading point of, of tea. And uh, it's such an amazing area, like mountainous area, and there are tribes, there are ethnic minorities, many different ethnic minorities in that area. And they have sort of been given most attribution in terms of the first people to really start to cultivate tea. I mean, as I said, it was grown in around that golden triangle area, right? So, you know, opium, cannabis, um, and tea, and it was uh, used for its taste, but also for its medicinal effects. And, uh, and it still is, is the case today that if you go to, especially Yunnan province, and you go and drink tea with the farmers, it's, you know, it's a world away from this very, um, uh, as I said before, imperial approach to tea, right? Where it's all just lovely packaging and it's, you know, talking about virgins picking, you know, and, and, and silver Came from scissors. the English. Yeah, that's a whole nother history. Yeah, lesson. that's a yeah. whole other thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. so uh, Yunnan is the source. And if you go back, you, you still see sort of the old trading routes and, you know, the, the, it's, just, it's just really, really... Um, deep and rich in that history. But you're right to say that, you know, the, uh, the ultimate thing about tea and what I love about tea is the fact that it, it, it is a, it has the ability to bring only positive things to humanity. Hmm. And, I, and I say that, and that sounds like a very, like a huge sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, it's, it seems, sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not, for me, it's not because, it does two things that I think are remarkable. It is one of the most incredible social lubricants that you can possibly imagine. Yeah. Um, it sort of I love has comparing this... it to coffee and alcohol as you know what you can do over tea with the person compared to what you do over coffee and compared to what you do over alcohol. It's a very different connection. Oh, a totally different con connection. Um, the way that it sort of uh, turns your mind on the way that it, it stimulates alpha brainwave activity, the way that it, it stimulates dopamine release, the way that it gives you energy, but keeps you sort of calm and relaxed at the same time um, is just a remarkable um, avenue for exploring conversations, for exploring ideas, for exploring in, in really interesting lateral ways as well. I think it's funny because a lot of our client base is at, are actually programmers. Um, and they find oh. that it, it works really well in terms of sort of, in, yeah. sort of gives you sort of a focus, but it helps you sort of think laterally about more efficient ways to reach, uh, you know, programming ends. I mean, that's not amorphous. That, that, that's not vague. Like to put it very literally, physiologically, the tea brings you somewhere and, you know, relevant, like, oh, I'm drinking, you know, what are we drinking? A duck shit oolong. Oh, that comes from blah where are you feeling it? Um, what notes are you getting? You know, this says buttery and comfortable, yashi oolong, smooth, and you know, raspberries, buttery pancakes, macadamia, like one can, there's topics. There's like when you're drinking coffee, when you're drinking a cocktail or something like that, it is a different experience. You're not necessarily, there's nothing, it, it might be pleasant, you know, but tea brings you into the moment you, you you get focused and there's a whole variation on the kind of focus that it brings you that if you understand your body and and the tea that you're absorbing you can articulate that and you can share it and, and connect with people and i think that's so cool that 
the, the, the actual artifice of it activates in a tangible way. So yeah, programming, like I can imagine you could tell a programmer, drink this when you're doing, you know, this kind of thing, drink that when you're doing that kind of thing. And well, in terms of, you know, so, you know, T is sort of the center point of so many different potential functional avenues, right. Or, 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 or threads. So in terms of productivity, one of the things that programmers and, and other people, you know, we, we've been in discussion with people like McLaren racing, et cetera, because they want to try oh, cool. to reduce their, they want to try to reduce their error. Right. And so the, the, the way that you reduce errors and improve performance in anything that you do is to increase energy, but also decrease anxiety and stress. So calm, but energized and also thinking creatively. So T encapsulates all of that. But apart from that, you know, as you said, the sort of aesthetic uh, side of it, and it's not just sort of tea ceremony side, but the act of brewing, the way that the leaf gives up flavor, the way that you, um, it's sort of a, a physical manifestation of um, so many things in life that you have to accept, you know, the ever-changing nature of, of living, the way that you've got to accept transition, the way that you've got to accept change, the way that you've got to accept that every single batch or every single cup that you make is going to be different, that you can never have that consistency or that, or that sort of um, homogeneity of, of, of one thing, that you've got to accept change the way that it, it sort of is a, center a centerpiece for conversation, but also if you're not with somebody, is an incredible centerpiece for your day. Like it's, it's an amazing way to say, right, stop. Let's remember the moment, let's remember now. Are you there, uh, Sean? Yeah. You've frozen a bit. You're yeah, yeah, do you hear me? I froze? I hear you. I'm here. Froze. You hear Sorry, me? You oh, shit. It's okay, it's all right. You're back, you're back. I'm back. Okay, good. You're back. Okay. You're back. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's 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 just there's so many threads to tea that you can decide if you want to go down the tasting route, which is obviously such a powerful part of it. What I love about tasting tea, because you can taste, you know, many different things, but what I love about tasting tea is the way that it doesn't give it doesn't give you everything. You've got to go searching for it, right? Mm -hmm. The way that I say it is like taste doesn't come to you. You've got to go to the taste. So if you want to. If you want to be blind to it, if you want to be absent-minded and you drink tea, you're not going to taste it. You need to focus on the cup in order to yeah. find the taste. And that's not the same for like, a, you know, for certain other drinks or, or foods where it's very sort of bold and, and hits you around the face. I think that that exploration into your memory, into finding tasting notes that sort of uh, require your thought process, require your time, is a very therapeutic thing and something that I think is really, really powerful part of tea drinking as well. So maybe go, let's go backwards to, you know, sort of introduction. Like how did you, uh, maybe uh, we, we didn't do a proper introduction of like, maybe you can introduce like what your business is in London and how you got into tea. I would love to hear that story. I actually don't know, personally know that story. All right. So my father was a professor in Chinese medicine. He uh, started the first ever Chinese medical um, organization in the UK. This was back in the 70s, right? So he brought in like all these educational content, books, etc., about acupuncture. Um, and he started this, uh, uh, this clinical organization where we basically, you know, it's a, a whole other business, essentially all around Chinese medicine, herbs, um, and acupuncture and, uh, and education. Um, so I was brought up in that environment, in that, in that, 
in that home place. Um, I wasn't interested in that particular part when I was, uh, you know, a teenager. After finishing school, I went to uh, New York and I studied in NYU. I studied at Tisch and I studied film at oh, NYU. Cool. So, oh, wow. I basically... Um, that's, that's me. I'm New York. Yeah, yeah I, I know you. To, I was supposed to go to Tisch and last minute, my girlfriend, trans, she was at NYU. I was in high school and uh, she was a year older than me and I, she transferred to Tufts. And I was—I had just gotten into college in Boston, and um, I had just like gotten in trouble in New York, which put my NYU acceptance in jeopardy. I probably could have like still gone, but it was like the combination of I'm into Emerson, my girlfriend's in Boston, I don't have to deal with anything if I just go to Boston. I was just like, fuck it, I'll go to Boston. And, and I didn't go to NYU. I was supposed to go to NYU, though. And uh, I don't know. I'm happy I went to Boston for two years. I should have left in the middle and come back and gone to, and transferred to NYU. Because it was too much time in Boston. Just nothing. Right. But, um, all right, so you, so you spent time in New York. That's amazing. So I was, yeah, four years cool. in New York doing film. Um, and then when I came back to London, I uh, moved into music. So music was, you know, I was always a, a thing between sound and film and it was a Wow, was constant... I had no idea. This is like, we have so much, <laughs> so many other threads. <laughs> yeah, so I basically, uh, I came back to London. I started as, I was a studio engineer for many years. Oh, um, wow. Then I got into production. Um, I had my own record label. Um, and I was uh, basically... We have like the same story. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I was producing music and then um, I was DJing a lot. So DJ, producer. Um, I had no idea. I had no idea. I, oh, yeah, know, I don't know how much I'm you know surrounded about me, by vinyl. It's basically you, my you, story. Like, if you look around wow. here, look. Vinyl. <laughs> oh, my vinyl, God. Vinyl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah. Beautiful. So, um, yeah, so I was, I was basically DJing, producing a uh, record label. And then I started to, what kind of, of music, um, electronic music, mostly. Um, so all sorts from, you know, uh, I was, I was doing my record label was mostly breaks. So it was sort of coming off the back of uh, new school breaks and that whole sort of, uh, area in the, in the what, early sort of 2000s, yeah, like early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. So early 2000s. Uh, a lot of uh, sort of new school breaks. So sort of tech, tech related breaks. Uh, I was doing a lot of dub related breaks as well. So sort of dub breaks. Um, but, you know, I was, I was DJing all sorts from sort of trip hop to techno to house to drum and bass to, you know, all sorts. Uh, doing a lot of, sort of uh, club, club circuit stuff. Um, but, you know, loved it. Still do. Just wish I had more time to, yeah. to, to dive back into that. Um, but then, um, so then I started to sort of get involved a little bit in the, the family business, just sort of like helping out creatively a little bit, just trying to work out, you know, marketing angles and ways that we can communicate things because, you know, everything is about communication, right? Especially when you're dealing with something like Chinese medicine, where there's so much sort of like, oh, is it esoteric? Is it voodoo? Is it, you know, is it scientific? Is it non-scientific? All of this stuff. So, you know, there's so much to get involved there. And essentially my family was all about trying to bridge East and West to try to take sort of Eastern ideas and sort of um, reword them into a format that was easily understandable by sort of a Western ear. Love that, yeah. um, and so um, 
that's when I discovered tea because I, I basically recognized that we were providing all these Chinese herbs, but the tea that we were ser serving at, the, at our clinic was a bit like, well, it was just sort of Chinese restaurant, you know, green teas and, and stuff. So it sure. wasn't, it wasn't what, what we wanted. So I, I said to my father, you know, let, Hey, you know, maybe we should like up our quality of tea because, you know, it doesn't look good when you're, when you're not serving great tea. I didn't know much about tea, but I sort of instinctively knew that there must be better than this. Um, so then he said to me, okay, fine, go out and learn. Um, and uh, so that's what I did. And I started hmm. to, uh, to learn about yeah, where it. Where do you go? Like, like where yeah. do you, where, what are your first, like, I'm going to go learn about tea. What do you do? Well, so we were very lucky because, you know, we had built up decades of experience dealing with herbal producers, right? So we, we had like a whole network of, of farmers in, the, in China um, that, were, right. that were growing herbs. And so it was pretty easy for me to sort of reach out to them and say, hey, tell me about your neighbors who produce tea, you know, and, yeah. and what do you have? Um, and so I started That's to awesome. receive samples. Okay. I got samples oh, sent, wow. to, sent to me. Um, and I thought it would be maybe a, a sort of a six month to a year of exploration, find some teas and then I'm done and I'm back to the music um, side of things. Um, and then I just, <laughs> I just, I just fell, fell into the rabbit mm -hmm. hole, fell head over heels in love with, with this incredible drink. Um, and it was at that point that it was a difficult decision for me to make, you know, it's like, do yeah. I, what do I do? Um, and um i haven't know. made that decision yet i just i just want to do all of it <laughs> i know well that's it that, that's that's why like like yesterday i did i did a you know a music i had article come out later today i recorded a film episode this morning i'm doing my my tea episode like yeah and that's great and i think that's that's the I ultimate wanna, way to be yeah that's i mean myself as uh, um someone who can who can mainstream it in a qualitative way in a bring like i literally you've never been to my parties but like i do tea parties i have literally like i get rid of one of the bottle service tables and make it a tea table um when i did new york uh now this is a couple of years ago but i had when, when i scaled in, in Los Angeles, I would do like 300 people, whatever. And I would just have like a tea table. But in New York, I did a tea room. So we did, we had like a thousand people and there was a, there were, I don't know, you know, 20 rooms or whatever. And I had a whole room that was just tea. And there were like different circles. I had everyone sit on the floor and like, there was an, a guy doing an Ixing, a guy doing a Gaiwan. I didn't have any Japanese, but I had like a Taiwanese area. I had an herbal area and I had... A Chinese area and like I had three tea tasting areas in a room and you can go at a party like there's like techno music like right next and it to works it, and it works oh, yeah. so well you know I mean tea tea and, and and a rave is is one of the best combinations ever you know like it's it's amazing to me that you know we're, we're not seeing it more often but I would love to come to one of your parties maybe next next time we're in this I'm in the states I'll I'll see if you're doing anything yeah, I mean, once I, I, I've, I've like removed myself from the world for a while, uh, like intention. Sure. But um, once I start doing this kind of stuff again, um, it's uh, man, I, I, I love blending those. That, that, that's like a big part of. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what like I don't want to be the 
tea master or anything. Like, I don't want to be the most renowned anything. I want to, to connect these worlds. That's what I saw as so exciting. Like when I was doing the yeah. event, what I saw. Well, what's, what's, what's was, beautiful was, about that is, is how they, they will all inform each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, music uh, about, you know, how I treat tea. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, it sounds strange, but the way that I produce music, I think about producing tea and brewing tea in exactly the same way, right? I'm always sort of interested in, in the nuance of, of different sort of, uh, you know, compressions or, you know, EQ or whatever. It's sort of a, 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 a really uh, interesting parallel. And obviously having, the... are you okay? Can you hear me? Wait, I, I might have this... Can you hear me? One, two. I hear you, but it, um, okay. I think it's back in now. Talk. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. My so microphone went out. Sorry. So basically I, I, I think that the, the, the lessons that I learned during music have definitely informed my approach to tea, but also, you know, having the YouTube channel is, is allowed me a little, albeit small creative fun, element yeah. in, terms of, in terms of film you <laughs> totally. know so when I, when we go into the trips i i like to think of it as a you know in a in a in the way that i would have broken down film in in new york you know that's sort okay of here let's let's get into that because i mean i got so excited at that film you made it is it's it's a documentary you know uh of your visit um like you could have gone you, you could have made that its own standalone thing like because there's intrigue to it you know there fixer and 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 all these different elements um and then you know at the end of the rainbow is the prize is, is getting that tea and i think i ordered all of them I, I i still have some um i had a, i got a ton of them they're amazing teas um but I, yeah talk to me a little bit about that and to someone who doesn't know where that black tea comes from and all that please you know give the context yeah. and, and then talk about your trip yeah so tongmu i think you're talking about uh, our visits to tongmu is that right exactly yeah 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 so tongmu is the birthplace of black tea um black tea actually is has got a very short history compared to a lot of other tea types so you know black tea is is relatively recent um so you know a couple of hundred years ago this little village in the middle of uh, the mountains in this really steep high valley uh, mountain pass, um, first created black tea by accident. Uh, there's a long story around it, but essentially they were, you know, they, they tried to escape the fighting in the area in China at that time. They, they founded this sort of secretive little village. Um, and uh, it happened whilst they were producing tea that an army went through that, that mountain pass and took over their homes. And so they had to go and scurry off into the forest to, uh, to, to sort of uh, um, wait until the army moved on. And that caused the tea that's to oxidize. They... So that started. Whoa. That's like some like eight days of Hanukkah kind of. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 So, so wow. this village, this village area um, is a really fascinating sort of like, uh, almost to, 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 tea, to tea lovers, tea heads, it's sort of a mythical place. And we really, for a couple of years, we wanted to get into Tongmu, um, but they have um, restricted entry to uh, foreigners. 
because of um, the fact that it's part of a uh, UNESCO protected area, but also because a lot of, well, there have been some issues with foreigners going there and taking protected plants from the area. Uh, which is you what, know, to clone them is, is that the idea? I don't know what the purpose was but essentially you know foreigners were found to have been removing plants from this area probably for some sort of purpose it, I don't even know if it was tea uh, but the point here is that it made a secretive village even more secretive um, and it became like a, a, a um, impossible for foreigners or very difficult for foreigners to get in um, so it was a lot of you know trying to um, figure out how to get in there, get, you know, get, you know, people who live there, try and like communicate with them, make them understand what we're trying to do. Um, and yeah, it was very, we were very fortunate to find somebody who was prepared to bring us in, pretend that we were from uh, Hong Kong, um, because that was sort of like, you know, foreign, but not that foreign. Um, and uh, so we had to pretend we were from Hong Kong and, and get our way into Tongmu village. And it was like, just, uh, everything that you hoped it would be because it was just household after household all making their own tea and sort of just no video is great yeah it's 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 an amazing amazing space and just like the most incredible tea plants like 200 300 year old tea trees growing in people's back gardens uh which is just you know a remarkable thing to see um so it was a magical thing, but this is the way that tea, tea sourcing a lot of the times is, it's a, it's a hunting process. You know, you're, you're just trying to make connections to make connections. And we talk about the humanity side of tea. There's so much in terms of like drinking tea with people, making connections, and then they sort of send you off to somebody else. And there's a lot of serendipity uh, that goes on. I mean, uh, for example. Uh, yeah, give us, uh, give us a story of like one of those people that you met there. Well, I mean, so uh, recently we, we purchased a, a Dahong Pao, so a Yencha Rokulong from, uh, from this, uh, this person who, had the mo who has the most incredible Dahong Pao. I mean, like, again, many generations, has his own farm uh, and own plantation high up in Wuyi Mountains, part of the protected area. So it's central part, uh, the Zhengyan area of, of, uh, of Wuyi. So really hard to get like that kind of quality of tea. And it all comes from, from small connections, one leading to another. Um, and it all based around the appreciation of tea and people understanding that you are coming at tea from the right place. So if you're coming at tea simply on a sort of commodity basis, like I need to buy to sell, then you're not gonna get very far in the tea world. Mm -hmm. um, you, your, your sort of contact list is gonna end pretty quickly. It's the same in all walks of life, right? If you sit down in the music world and you, you all you're concerned about is promotion or just trying to get to a certain place, you're not going to get very far. But if you're prepared to open up, talk about your ideas, talk about your, 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 your sort of emotive uh, or sort of uh, intent, your intentions regarding music or in anything else, you're much more likely to open doors. Um, and that's the same in tea, no matter what language you speak. So, you know, we, we were talking in uh, Zhenghe in a white tea country with this farmer, got on really well with him. He then invited us to another festival um, where we were, we were honored, like, so I don't know why, but I don't know, the foreigner mm. was there. So, so we got the, the, the honor of being like given this sort of silk scarf and walking around these amazing cool. uh, tea mountains in Zhenghe. And then I was shooting a, a, a bit for a YouTube. So at the end of our white tea videos, like the, my outro, and talking about, you know, how I hope that the white tea scene is going to 
continue to develop in the right way and it's not going to become overrun by the marketeers happened to be over that happened to be overheard by some uh, another tea lover who really loved the idea and agreed with me and then she basically set me up with this guy in we so you know it's all like that you know you, right connections uh, whenever you're visiting tea country someone tests it, you out and vouches and yeah yeah exactly so it's a beautiful thing and it's and it's nice to be able to film it um so that people can sort of see you know the process to, to some degree what do you get in tongmu tea that is unique to the world taste wise uh, body wise leaf um so obviously tongmu is famous for its smoked teas uh lapsang Sushong being the most famous one obviously but uh what I think is remarkable. Wait, so that's a so that's a big point. You say obviously, but like I'm big on like this might be the first time someone's hearing where like Lapsang okay. Suchang comes from. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's why I, I ask because you have this. You to you it's obvious, but like, yo, like tell the people, you know. <laughs> okay, so Lapsang Suchang actually smoked black tea was the first ever black tea, right? Because people don't the, know that. Because essentially these, these villages came back from their forests. This is the story. And you never know with, you know, stories, what's, you know, how much of it is embellished. Of course. But the story is that story. <laughs> they, 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 they came back and the tea they thought was ruined because of the fact that the army had stayed there and it, it stunk of like, you know, army smell, like men, like just lounging around <laughs> eating food. Hockey smell or something. Sweating. Yeah, exactly. Sort of a locker room uh, smell. Um, and they, their tea had gone all black and darkened. So they thought maybe what we can do is like we smoke it and that's going to sort of somehow, you know, remove this aroma and we'll see if we can sell it. Um, and so they smoked it um, over uh, this very special wood, this pine knotwood that grows in that area. And again, you need old tea, you need old pine trees that have a really interesting sort of resinous quality. If you have a young one, it's too green. Anyway, so they smoked it um, and then they tried to sell it and they did sell it. Um, and then the, 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 the uh, exporters basically came back saying everyone lo loves this smoked black wow. tea. So then they started to produce uh, Lapsang Sushong, which is- um, And this was three, 400 years ago? You're, you're this saying? was uh, 1700. So yeah, a couple of, okay. or 1800. So a couple of hundred years ago. So very recent- Remarkably in recent in, in the history in, of tea. Wow. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, so this village was mostly producing smoked teas and, um, and great high quality. But then obviously the thing is that just like we were talking before about aroma and fragrance, that if you, uh, you can take inferior leaf from other provinces and you can smoke it, you can imitate, you know, Lapsang Sushong, proper Lapsang Sushong. Um, it's to, to the trained palate, it's, you're going to spot the difference, but for a lot of people, you're just getting that smoky aroma, smoky taste. You know, you can sort of, you can. There's you a can, certain gimmick to it. Yeah. yeah. There's a you can sort of it, level yeah. the playing field a little bit because, you know, smoke is smoke. I mean, you know, to, to obviously there's differences in the woods type, et cetera, but that's a whole other thing. So it's only recently that they have started to uh, promote and sell unsmoked uh, Xiaozhong. So Sushong comes from a, a bastardization of Xiaozhong, which means small leaf right? So small leaf tea trees. 
um, from this area. And they've only started, um, you know, in the past, I don't know, I, I, I'm probably wrong, but in the, probably in the past decade, something like that, you know, started wow. to sell unsmoked. And what's amazing is that then now the leaves are truly singing. You know, it's like huh. you've taken all the effects off the voice and you go, wow, that's what makes this tea so special. To, to fill in a little bit of that, like when we talk about smoking, you know, I, I love the metaphor. I forget where I first read it, but the word damage, just the word, like when you exercise, you are damaging your body, your muscles to get stronger. You are opening things up when you are everything, everything with tea, you, you, you put sun on on a leaf that's damage you pick the leaf that's damage you put water on it that's damage these are all different things that you do to affect alchemy and smoking the tea is damage to the tea so you're doing these beautiful things you're getting these rich flavors out of it but at the same time the balance shifts in a direction and what don's talking about here with trying this tea that has traditionally you know for for three four hundred years been enjoyed smoked now all of a sudden doing it unsmoked we are revealing parts of that that we hadn't really seen before in a quality level that all of a sudden you, you see the same exact thing but it's presented slightly differently and you're getting an entire new experience there's just so much to offer in that so what's the difference well what, what does it taste like so just to, just to a little follow-on thread to what you're saying yeah 100 percent right like the, the most amount of flavor um, uh, production or to, to really build flavor in a leaf and build effect, you need to stress the leaf out. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is one thing that a lot of the producers early in, back in the day in, in India got wrong. For the British just assumed, let's find the perfect land for something and let it grow. And I think there's a, hmm. there's a really interesting metaphor there because I think, again, it relates back to humanity. You only develop the full potential of yourself as a person through struggle, through stress, through, through, through challenge, right? If, if life is too easy for you, uh, it's, it's harder for you to build true potential. And that is certainly what we've learned in tea that, you know, we talked about we before one of the most famous areas and one of the, the areas that uh, Robert Fortune, the, the, the British spy, um, uh, ethnobotanist, um, you know, picked and, and took those plants and sent to India for Indian tea production. That area is basically called rock oolong because of the fact that it's just so rocky. And so these plants are sort of clinging on for dear life, right? Trying to like, you know, they're trying to survive essentially. Uh, and that, yeah. that, that activity builds incredible flavor. So yeah, take, it, take the right. rocks out of the rock oolong and put it in a beautiful, sunny, flat land and you're not getting the same thing. Exactly, exactly. So with, with Exactly. So with Tongmu uh, teas, what we, we've noticed is an incredible variation. So different households will produce very, very different tasting teas. Um, and, you know, it's similar cultivars being grown. Obviously, most of them are indigenous. So they're sort of, uh, you know, come from seed growth. So they're going to be very, there's going to be variations and different ages. But the point is that you've got the same terroir, you've got similar cultivars. But the fact that it's not being centralized into sort of a production unit like a factory, but is done by households, um, that is all being done by feel. You're getting level very, very different. Through the you're getting, yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about Tongmu wow. teas. 
is that you just, you just, you know that the terroir is immaculate, you know that the plants are immaculate, but it's just going to be the variation in the flavors that you're going to get from household to household. And, uh, and it's just a, it's, it's such a joy to taste through samples from Tommy. What a privilege to, to think about that, you know, that is just, it's not even that expensive. Like for the amount of money that people spend on their garbage tea that they get at Whole Foods versus like what you're describing. I mean, it's, it's Mark, it's, you know, a third more expensive. It's, it's like nothing to have a person spend decades. And, and it's like to the point that you can say, Oh yeah, the grandson's batches over these few years had these qualities because this was going on in his life and he ended up, you know, tending to it. He was picking it 45 minutes later in the day for some reason than his aunt did 20 years prior, you know, whatever, like all these things that you can go super granular into the lives of these people and you know exactly who these people are. And you're tasting the tea that there's like a few hundred of these leaves that get picked and, and, and you're drinking it and you can then finish the job in a way that you decide where you can take this endless nuance that comes and just ends up, you know, I'm holding, I'm holding a little, Chunk of, chunk of leaves in my hand right now and you get to decide do I want to put more water and less water longer shorter do I want to use this water or that water and then this temperature and like you can have it in different glasses you could have it at different times of day you could have it after swimming like, like there's all that you could have it with food there's all these different things that you could do to complete the 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 the, the, the human experience of it it's so cool I get I get so excited you know, one yeah. of the things I said, like, right when I started this, this show was like, I'd love to think about just like the entire universe, all of humanity, every time I'm sipping tea, because it's, it's what you're doing, you know, you're getting the, all, all the things that happen in the entire universe go into this cup. And I don't think there's anything else. Like, yeah, that. I mean, I, I think, I think uh, you're, you're right. I, I, it's, it, it, it goes beyond metaphor it becomes actually like, actually, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, not yeah. just sort of, this is a good metaphor for thinking about whatever it's, it's, it, it is, it's somehow part of the whole expression of humanity and humanity's relationship to the planet and to, you know, further than that, but you know, how humanity raises these leaves, the whole arc of, of intention, and mm -hmm. I think this is, I think that, that what I've learned in tea more than anything else is the fundamental importance of intention because it doesn't really matter like how you brew your leaf, right? It's what your intention is when you're doing it. And I don't mean that in a sort of, I need to sit and think of an intention before I brew my tea, but there's a sort of reverence that you need to bring to, uh, to, to, the tea brewing, the tea tasting, the tea growing, the tea producing, everything that allows an expression which feels complete. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the true sort of end point of the tea, the, the tea drinking is 
is this a sort of complete expression of belief, right? Whatever that means for you. Um, and, right. you know, the farmer who produces it is, is just doing their part of it. But um, uh, the, the, the nuance and the variation is insane. And the fact that you've got, you know, different seasons, different pluckings each season, you know, as you say, 45 minutes here or there. What always I find remarkable is the way that they're sort of living on a knife edge, a lot of these farmers and producers. Oh, because, yeah. You know, like they pick the leaf, it rains, that's it, ruined batch. You know, mm. it's sort of like it, it, everything is, there's, 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 it's the perfect example of control the things you can control, relinquish yourself from control of things you can't control. Sure. And you got to walk that line with intention and expression to reach. And sometimes those accidents, those disasters are going to lead to something really joyous and, and, Wonderful. I, I love to think about the word, the concept, the intention, active, practical. And what I love to distinguish when I talk to people about tea, a lot of people talk, oh, so you have your ritual and your ceremony. And I'm like, I mean, you know, first of all, I love to, I, 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 out of respect, I like to explain to people like, no, I've never done a tea ceremony. It would take me over a decade to really like be allowed to be invited. I've sampled, I've watched, I've, you know, I've had simulated versions, but like, no, it's an extremely, extremely high art that people dedicate their whole lives to. And I have not done that. And I no, I have not done the proper Japanese tea ceremony. Not, neither have you not when you went to some place and you paid 40 bucks, like, no, you didn't. Like, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> The more important part of it is to say that like the ritual, the tea, the, the meditation of it, the, the ceremony, it's not some metaphor. It's not this metaphysical aspect of it. It's not this thing where you're like, you know, like closing your eyes and conjuring your third eye. No, no, no. It's very practical. And you learn things and they transpose between the leaf, the, 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 the liquor, the, your body. And you gain these practices. They're not like, they're not, they're very act, they're very literal. Like when you activate that intention, when you go to go to make, like, I don't think when I'm making tea, it's all very automatic. It's from repetition, but all that intention, all that practice, it's, it's embedded in inside. It's not something that I like stop and I do, you know, I close my eyes and I like think of the Buddha or something like that. Like, nah, that's not what it's about, but I'm doing it unconsciously. And I would not fuck up it. Like I only have a little bit of this oolong that I'm drinking right now. And I just, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't like, I would not put 210 degree water on it unless I decided to. Unless I want, unless it was the moment to say, what is this going to be like if I put 210 on it? And that's just not going to, th th that's not, that's not a religious thing. It's not a, um, it's not a matter. It, it's very, it, 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 it's from, it's out of respect. Like the reason why I'm not doing that is because I understand the history of the place where this came from and the people and all of that. And I want to embody all of it, but like, I want it to be tasting a certain way and I need to do the technical stuff to get there. And I, I love that application. It teaches me things, you know, about music and stuff like that. 
I think that people can get bogged down a lot in like, there's these ideas that we talk about, like our culture today is very, you know, we, it's very, it's very on ideas. And um, I like to keep my ideas practice. And tea helps me do that. It helps me think of all the things that brought me to that idea and that practice and just keep doing it, focus on the doing. And I think that like, that's a good way to think about tea rather than learning these things conceptually, learn them practically and, and yeah. drink it. Like you said, the, the leaf, what were the three? Leaf, water, you. That's it. Absolutely, which is why at our tea house, we, we make sure that everyone brews themselves. We don't want to brew your tea. And it was a bit of a sort of weird one for a lot of clients because they're like, what, you're just going to give us leaf and water? We have to brew it ourselves. I'm like, that's tea. If I'm right. brewing it for you, then I'm taking away such a uh, powerful integral part of the whole process of tea. And it's not meant to be sort of, uh, you know, pretentious in any way. It's just like, that's how you're going to get to know this leaf. And you're right, it's a lot of people sort of, uh, when they move into tea, when they start in tea, uh, understandably, I think it's sort of nature. And I did the same thing. They say, okay, what are the rules? What do I have to do? Like, how do I yeah. do this? You know, what, you know, so 10 seconds, then five, then it's like, truly, you want to get to okay. a point where you're not thinking about it at all, right? You want to get to the point where instinctively, you sort of know what you want the taste to be. You, you, you look at the leaf, you understand it just instinctively without, you know, thinking about it. And the only way that you achieve that is through practice. And mm -hmm. that's why it's a beautiful thing because it is just one of those things that you just, the more you do, the better the tea is going to taste, you know, so over the years. Bring us into your story where so you open the tea shop in, tell us about your shop in London and, and, what were the principles that you had in mind when you wanted to open that and, and yeah. bring us to today? So, uh, so yeah, I, so then I discovered teas for, for the clinic and I fell in love with teas. And then I said, you know, I think that I want to start my own standalone sort of business part, sister business. Cause it's essentially, you know, uh, Chinese, uh, uh, tea is the first Chinese herbal medicine, right? So, you know, it's sort of a, it's just the first rung on that ladder. Um, so we opened up um, a tea house and looking back, but this is always the way it is. It, it, I was obviously coming at it from a very sort of inexperienced place. Um, I was just trying to, un, trying to communicate, you know, my feelings about tea, even though they were still forming and they are still obviously forming, you know, but you know, it, it felt very sort of uh, embryonic at that point. Um, and, uh, and, that was fine. I was doing workshops. I was, I was learning like crazy, you know, obviously traveling to the mountains, trying to understand as much as possible. Um, trying to, again, I, I sort of had this, this, uh, this approach of, I need to understand all the technical, like understand all the technical. It's like, it reminds me of when I was working in the studio and you'd get a new piece of gear in and you'd, you'd yeah. dive into the <laughs> manual and you'd want to know all the technical, but really before you, you really started to enjoy using it when you started to sort of explore and experiment. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. So I uh, was trying to communicate. I was doing lots of workshops um, and it was difficult. It was so difficult because I think one of the things that a lot of people have a misconception about is because the UK has got such a sort of long history around tea. 
they think that the UK, if you open a tea shop in the UK, it's going to be easy, but we were doing something very different. And in the UK, everybody sort of expects Indian and Ceylon tea at a relatively cheap price, right? Because it's commodity. That's what English tea is. So you open a tea house and suddenly you're having gong fu set up and you're, you're trying to, uh, um, you know, uh, get people to explore green teas and oolong teas. It was a difficult thing to do. So we were doing a lot of education, um, but it wasn't, wasn't going well, uh, to be honest with you, because it was just so limited, right? Yeah. This was when, like what year? This was, so we are open in 2007, um, 2007. Okay. And we were sort of just ticking over surviving, but essentially being bankrolled by the clinic. Right. Um, so, you know, it was a sort of, I was lucky that, you know, I had a, my family had a business that could, you know, support this sort of embryonic phase of, of a tea business. Um, and it was in sort of, um, so we did that for about seven or eight years and, you know, we were doing okay. We were, you know, we were, it was, it was cleaning its face, as they say, you know, we, we were being able to pay staff and all the rest of it, but it was still felt very frustrating because we didn't feel like the movement, the sort of tea culture movement was moving um, in the UK in the right direction. And I was very frustrated by the communication out there by other tea sellers. It felt very exclusive. It felt very elite. It felt like it was a lot of subterfuge um, because, you know, there was a sort of all the aesthetic okay. was taking over the actual knowledge. You know, it was all sort of like, you don't need to know this, but it was essentially, mm. we don't know this, you know, mm. and, and therefore, uh, yeah. you know, let's sort of dress it up with lots of sort of nice Chinese music and, you know, the way of tea, but it felt very sort of um, uh, unnecessarily confusing. There's so much misinformation out there. Um, so I was reading books and looking online and then going to visit the mountains and finding such a big disconnect between what the theory was and, and that is being sort of taught online and um, what was actually happening um, in the tea fields. Um, that in 2014, I thought, you know, we need to, we need to start to actually build an audience and try to reach out to create a community or not create, but to, to extend ourselves, to reach out to a community of tea lovers out there like yourself and other people that were on their own tea journey and see if we can sort of create a place where people could feel that, that feel very approachable, that they could, they could start their Oh no. Um, and so that's what we've been doing since 2015, uh, a video a week um, and uh, trying to bring, um, you know, our thoughts and ideas around uh, tea and tea culture to, to anybody who wants to listen. I love it. Well, I've, I, and I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed learning from afar. I have to make it over there at some point. Yeah, man. I've still never sure. been to the, been to the tea house. I haven't been. I was only in London once in the last couple of years. Have to come through. How have things been? You know, coronavirus quarantine world, both for you know locally and like your shipments. I'm obviously China was months ahead of us, so I don't know what, what's the relationship been like. Yeah, logistically, it's been very difficult um, because of the fact that. The lockdown in China uh, meant that uh, at the beginning of tea, spring tea season here, uh, sorry, in China, they, they didn't have much of a workforce. 
um, that could move around. Um, and a lot of times, you know, uh, these tea farmers need help, obviously. So they, they get sort of a workforce from different provinces to come in for the season to help pick teas. So that meant that the quantity um, is definitely reduced um, and therefore prices are going up. Then you've got issues with, um, with uh, shipping. Um, you know, because of the lockdown in terms of travel, there's so many, there's so, uh, uh, so many uh, shipments and air freight that we can't do anymore because a lot of that was going through passenger um, airways. Um, so the amount of uh, planes taking off and, and coming into the UK from, from China is vastly reduced. So a lot of tea is sort of sitting in, where, in airports waiting to come. So there's a lot of logistical issues um, regarding locally. It's obviously difficult for everybody um, because you have so much, you know, again, information, misinformation. Uh, there's a whole media that is thriving on scaring the shit out of people, yeah. you know, um, to, to try and keep them to, uh, to stay in. But, you know, it's a sensationalization that's going on, um, which is just a media frenzy. Um, and so you've got, you know, you've got a lot of people that are, are terrified. Um, and I, I think there's going to be a huge, huge uh, ramifications and collateral damage to the way that we've handled this. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm just trying to uh, use the footage, uh, sorry, the, the videos that we put out and the content that we put out to try and, and, and put out positive content um, that tries to somehow reduce a little bit of this, uh, this nocebo effect, which is just, is just, just everywhere. You know, you know, a lot of people are just scared out of their minds. Um, and I think that the way that we've approached this is, in most countries has been, has been pretty um, ill thought out. Um, so, you know, you know, we just got to try and deal with it and try to try to work with it. And hopefully, I know a lot of people are using tea in their lockdown to help them sort of ground themselves, which is a great thing. Any teas particularly that you've seen, you know, work for people during lockdown? Well, I mean, anybody who's, you know, trying to um, focus on uh, fortifying the immune system, you know, there's been a, obviously a big uplift in people uh, purchasing uh, matcha and uh, um, green teas. So matcha and green tea has been has been definitely for the theanine. Um, any for the theanine for the for the cant for the catechins, yeah, um, uh, and for um, uh, for the yeah the immune boosting effects of theanine and catechins really has been has been probably a lot of, to do with it. A lot of herbs as well because we obviously sell a lot of herbs as well. So things like right. honeysuckle have been going very well. But I think for the most part, people are just using tea for their sort of settling you know, giving themselves, turn off the media and just grounding themselves a little bit on in the moment, a sort of recognition that despite the fact that it seems like the world is, is going to going down the drain. And, you know, if you open the door, you're going to die. You know, uh, I think that a lot of people are, are, are sort of using this to recognize that actually in the moment, everything is fine. We're all good, mm -hmm. you know, and everything else is a sort of, a figment of our uh, minds, not to say that, that there aren't genuine concerns out there, but you know, that essentially all of that fear and all of that worry and all of those negative uh, thought processes are a, a matter of choice as well. Um, and hopefully um, they're using teas to, to ground themselves and recognize that they are in control of their reaction to things and hopefully uh, that they can temper 
negative emotions and, and, and bring themselves to, to a more positive place. So they're just drinking teas that they love. We're seeing a lot yeah. of, you know, people posting a lot more. There's a lot more IG live stuff happening with tea heads, you know, sharing teas. Um, Any so, particular you know, accounts that you think are doing great stuff that people should check out? Um, I think that uh, the tea community in general, like, uh, so like our tea heads, uh, let me think there's the guy in, uh, in upstate New York, uh, uni tea guy, he's been putting out some nice live sessions. Uh, there's, um, a guy, um, steeped tea. Uh, he's, he's okay. doing regular stuff. Um, but you know, it, it's all pretty sort of small, you know, accounts that are just sort of linking up with each other. Um, and it's, it's nice to see, it's, it's really nice to see that happening. You know, we try to do a, a live session um, on YouTube every so often, um, but that's a, a bit of a bigger affair because we do sort of a three-hour <laughs> mad yeah, you extravaganza. Get tuned in. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, hey man, this is awesome. I I have like so many other threads that we can go on, but I feel like do another one another time and. Um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, I appreciate all the work that you've done with tea for, for me personally. And um, yeah, hopefully this, uh, this show can, can bring some new, some new customers, some new tea drinkers and uh, expand that world. Yeah, man. The yeah. more people that we can all sit and drink tea with, it's the be better life will be. I want to integrate it into everything. Yeah, I mean, film sets should have should have people drinking tea. Man, like every assistant director yeah. should <laughs> yeah, exactly. needs tea. Like they should drink, they should get free tea. Like we yeah. should, for the world, you know, just like for the good of the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to chill absolutely. them out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. I mean, I don't know anything, uh, anything you want to, you want to share, ask, plug, if conclusions i don't know no man just like if you're interested in the tea journey then go explore our youtube channel is one place but there are plenty of others so great go explore and personally you know we've got to set up a, a bit of a a tea gig situation if you're ever flying through london we'll set up like oh yeah exclusive intimate uh uh setup we'll get the turntables out and uh yeah and we'll, we'll do a tea session i have my She's like one of the best bar fuck the mixology term like like bartender like cocktails uh like best in the world and um she's gonna be on and and we were talking about like oh we should think about like tea cocktails you know so yeah get it all together all right dude well it's wonderful to chat face to face we've we've corresponded for a couple of years you know remotely and uh it's great it's great to talk through all these things and hear all these stories you have amazing ones and i'd love to do it again sometime and in the meantime i'm going to enjoy another cup of this duck shit oolong and guys check out i'll i'll put all the links for don and and mayleaf and um he's very accessible you can hit him up directly for anything that you, you know, any, any questions. And um, obviously I'm happy to connect as well. All right, Don, stay safe. And thanks again. Thanks again for all your time and stay and, and keep making these wonderful roasts and all these creative things you're doing. I, I appreciate it so much. Thanks a lot, Sean. It was a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, yeah, man. let's, let's, let's hopefully uh, sit down for a, 
a, a physical face-to-face -face session at some point. That'll be a great day. I look yeah. forward to it. All right. All right, cheers, man. brother. Take care. Talk Bye. soon.